1: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
2: They will become righteous and please an angry God kind of a thing. Now to the one who works... His wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due. So here's our point. Salvation, if salvation is by works, then heaven is a reward and not a gift. Not a gift. All right? We have a couple of, or more than a couple, few employees here at International. Some, one is, well, two are full-time. Pastor Dennis and I are full-time. We have uh, a couple, two or three that are part-time, three that are part-time. Now, I know that uh, they took this job. They need the money. They're doing what they need to do. But when they work, I am obligated to pay them. We set up the agreement. This is what you do when you do it. This is how much you get paid. You do it well. You do it right. You do it in a timely manner. You will get paid. So in other words, their works, I give them something in return as an obligation, as what is due to them. Now watch this. Salvation is not given to me because God is obligated to give it to me. Because I'm doing any amount of good works. That's what this concept is teaching right here. So no amount of good works that you do. How many of you heard me say, if I could divide works in only two categories, it would be this. No amount of social good deeds, feed the poor, all that, or religious good deeds, baptism, communion, keeping the commandments, praying through a rosary, whatever you want to do. There's no amount of social good deeds or religious good deeds. There's no kind of works that we do, otherwise salvation would not be free, as we've talked about already. It'd be something that I was obligated to receive. So what else? If salvation is by faith, then even the ungodly can be saved because their faith is credited as righteousness. Let's go back to the verse. Verse 5. But to the one who does not work, this is the guy who doesn't do the work with the intention of Thinking that work will help him get to heaven. Who does not any work, social or spiritual, for the purpose of getting to heaven. But believes in him. Is that your Bible? But believes in him. Underline that phrase. But believes in him. What he's doing now, he is linking the acceptability of Abraham's faith in verse 3 to believing in him, the Lord, together. Notice it's what we call time-lapse photography. Speeding up from verse 3. To verse 5 here. Now, if you believe in him, in the Lord, who justifies the ungodly, still again, his faith is credited to him as righteousness. Now, if you have your Bible, notice it doesn't say this. Look, look down at the verse. It doesn't say, but he who behaves is justified. It doesn't say he who believes and behaves is justified. It doesn't say he who believes is justified. It says, whoever believes in him, you have to have those three together. So I believe what God says, and based on what he says, my act of trust in that is all kind of happening at the same time, pretty much. All right? It's a willful choice that I'm now believing in him, and it says, and my faith is counted to him for righteousness. Now take your pen and underline the word ungodly. The other verse was talking about the righteous people. God says, nope, even good people can't get to heaven. Here it says, even the bad people can get to heaven because it's not based on good works of those who are good and it's not based on the bad works who are not. It's all based on faith in Christ. And then God says, I will watch us Put this on your account. Let's do this a little... How many of you have a, um, I don't know if it's a gift card? But you have a card like from Starbucks. And you you go to Starbucks and you know that you they give you the balance and all of a sudden you got to put more money on your you got to put more money on your account here or you can't use your card and so what do you do you get out your credit card and you take money from your credit card and you put it on the account of your Starbucks card so now you just have this Starbucks card going on a lot of people do that as a, when they get gift cards they kind of do that and then they recharge all of that. Well, what's happening here, the Lord is saying, oh, I see your card, your good works. I'm not going to charge it because you've got good works. And hey, I don't care even if you're bad. I can charge your card as long as you believe that I'll charge your card. And I'm going to charge your card with me. Did you catch that or not? If you got that, say, uh-huh, somehow. Did you get that? I don't. I didn't, it's not loud enough. Then I'm not convinced. So let me do it another way. You made me go five minutes longer. But, okay, so here we go. All right, see this white sheet of paper here? We're going to let this white sheet of paper here, repre- some of you have seen this, this white sheet of paper is going to represent you and me, okay? Let- you guys are so good, so let's let it represent me. All right, this white sheet of paper, represents. and since it represents me and I'm a sinner, I'm going to kind of get this, don't worry, I won't give you this piece of paper when I'm done. Wipe the sweat off, okay? Now that's me. Now, when I stand before God like this, God says, I see your righteousness, not my righteousness that I wanted to give to you. So you're a sinner, you're ungodly. And you're trying to come to, he- come to heaven this way, like that? He says, no, no, go ye, all right? That's it. So I think, ooh, I don't want that to happen, so here am I all dirty, so I better clean myself up. So I wipe off my dirt, I do a lot of good deeds, social I do a lot of religious deeds like baptism. And now I stand before the Lord and I say, Okay, Lord, I was too bad before to get your righteousness. Maybe I'm now good enough to get your righteousness. And the Lord says, No, 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 no. no. I don't give my righteousness to you because you're good. And I don't keep my righteousness from you because you're bad. Okay, what it's all based on is your faith in me. Now, over here is my Bible. We're going to let my Bible right now represent Jesus Christ. Okay, this is going to represent Christ. So here am I, I'm lost, I stand before him, I go to hell. God, Christ, all one, and now God says this. If I place my faith in Christ, I then become in Christ, watch this, and God puts on my account his righteousness, which is Christ. So now when I die, I stand before God, and God doesn't see my... Good works, He doesn't see my bad works any longer because I place my faith in him and he's given me his righteousness. He now sees his righteousness. And what do you think he says? Come on in. All right? And that's by faith alone. Now, that's what this is teaching right here. And that's what Abraham believed even before the law was given. Let's go back to the passage again. So what do we do? Well, first of all, not our good works. Neither are bad works. It's our faith is credited as righteous. Now, remember, you've got to link faith in whom it's got to be in Christ. All right, let's go to number three, our third statement here in getting salvation right. Well, the big question is, is, okay, what happens to my sin when I trust in Christ as Savior? What happens? Now, go back to the verse, verse 6. This gets really good. It says, Paul speaking again, he says, Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom god credits righteousness apart from works. Now you're reading that and says, well, there's a lot of good stuff in there but I still don't get the big deal over this. All right? Underline the phrase just as david. Now why am I want you to do that? All right. <clears throat> I want you to be jewish for just a moment. You're jewish, all right? and you have your two big guns, and who would they be? Abraham and, of course, David. David, the shepherd boy. David who brought down Goliath. David, arguably, would be Israel's greatest king. Even today, Israel has the star of David. I mean, David is the man, all right? So now what Paul is doing is he's saying, okay, I brought Abraham to you to show you that your sins are gone, that you get God's righteousness, all right, when you place your faith. And now he's saying, just as David, and he opens up similar truth. But that truth complements, does not change, just again, one more time. Time lapse photography speeds it up a little bit, so now he brings two. Now, why is that so significant? Are you with me? Here we go. Old Testament says truth is established with two witnesses. So, what he's doing now is he's agreeing with the whole concept of the Old Testament by saying, okay, I gave you one, I'm going to give you two. And who better could he give them than Abraham and David? Now, for some of you, that's all you need. Let's go home, I'm tired. But there's even more than that, because here's what he's saying. Before the law was ever given, you Jewish lawkeepers, I got Abraham. It was by faith. Now, you Jewish lawkeepers, he says, I got David. He was under the law. He believed, and you're going to see this in a moment, the sins were gone. Again, validating, no matter where you are in God's economy, salvation reigns the same. Faith alone in Christ. All right, let's go back to the passage. All right, just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man to whom God puts on the account righteousness. Now circle the phrase apart from works. Now this is huge when it says apart from works. Most of you will agree that it's okay. It's not of good works. It is by faith. But listen, people, listen. You go to your neighbors and most of them will wed faith and works together. This is saying apart from works. So you don't add anything to salvation. it is pure, free grace. you don't put the two together it's apart from works. So it's not grace and works, it's apart. Now I'm, like I said, I only have a few minutes to develop this, but I could give you verse after verse after verse after verse to explain that salvation is by faith alone, not faith and good works and certainly not of any good works. it's by faith alone, apart from. And I like the fact that it says here, apart from works. It didn't just say apart from doing the law, but you have to do other things. It apart from works. So it's such a generic word. We could, we, could, we could extend it out to any kind of work. So, boy, this is a time for me to give you an hour sermon just on the wrong terminology that you will hear when the gospel is presented that we have believed for so long that is tantamount to either letting the person believe that salvation is by some form of works. What would be some of those words? Take Jesus into your heart. Now, how many of you have heard that? Take Jesus into your heart. Well, nowhere in Scripture does it say, Jesus, take Jesus into your heart to be saved. It does say to believe in Jesus Christ. It does say we receive him, but how do you receive him? By believing in him. What about he knocks on the door and you open him up and let him come in? That whole verse is spoken to a church of believers. And it's not for the Lord to have a relationship with them, but to have fellowship with them. not has anything to do with salvation. So we take a non-salvation verse, we push it into this, and then little kids think that they've got to do something to get to heaven when all it says is believe in Jesus Christ. I've shown you week after week here in Scripture, from Scripture, faith, 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 believe, 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 trust, 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 and be careful of what we say. Now, let me, uh, let me now bandage you up if you're stinging from all what I just said a moment ago. <clears throat> It is okay if you're going to use, take Jesus into your heart, if you explain that it means only by believing in Christ. Did you catch that? Now let me pull the band-aid off. Why don't you just do that then? Just say believe. Why do all this other stuff and then have to re-explain what you just said by saying what's really clear? So make it clear. Anyway, I said enough about that. Let's go on back to passage here. We're going to look at one, two more verses and we'll be done. There's three things that happen here. It says, it is forgiven. Blessed are those who lawless deeds have been forgiven. I'm telling you, that is huge. Lawless deeds are forgiven. Now think about the most lawless deed and then say, ah, we forgive you for doing that. All right. This is what forgiven is. Forgiveness means forgiven. Not it's like you get a do-over. It's forgiven. But it goes a little bit further. Whose sins have been covered. So you have them forgiven. You have them covered. Now, when you read the word covered, that's kind of a cute little thing. I, and I could say, I got some sin right here. Where's my piece of paper? It's in here somewhere. All right, I'll get another, another sinful person here. All right. So here we are with sin, and now it's all covered. I, I get all of that. I, I do that sometimes in my office when I know that I'm having an appointment, and I got all my stuff on my desk. I'm telling you a secret right now. I take all my paper that's there before you come in, and Chizuko is saying, okay, you got a, you got an appointment. And I'm covering up, not so much my sin, but I'm making myself look good, like I'm organized. Has any of you ever done that before? Okay. Have someone come to the house, you throw everything, you can't do it, you sweep it under the rug. You know, love covers a multitude of sin, okay, all that kind of jazz. Now, when you hear that, I get all of that. Old Testament people, they heard it a lot more. They heard that there was this big box. And this big box was an ark. And we talked, taught you about that. Gold poured on the outside. Gold on the inside. It had to be carried a certain way. It was a mercy seat. Special stuff was going on. The high priest would come in. Put some blood on this thing. And at that time, the sin was covered. Old Testament until Jesus' blood, in a sense, washed the sins away, if I can even use that term in a very general statement. All right? So it was covered, meaning the fact that when the Lord would come by, that sin was now covered and the death angel would pass over. All right? So you have all of that in some of that simility um, um, metaphor there. So he covered it all up. But it goes on to the third point, it is not counted against you. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Now notice blessed, 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 count, account, account, the man who sinned, the Lord will not. I want you to underline not the word account or the word blessed or the word sin or even the word Lord. I'd like you to um, underline the word will not. The reason I want to park on that is because God says all of this, blessed is the man who the Lord will not take into account, sin into account. The emphasis here is not so much on the sin of the Lord. The emphasis in this verse is he will not take into account. Which means that he will never see your sin again when you trust in Christ. It is forgiven. It is covered. In today's dispensation, it has been forgiven as the the, the sin is cast in the sea of forgiveness as far away as the east is from the west. It is completely washed. You stand before him, watch this, watch this, watch this, with God's righteousness. It doesn't say um, the sin who the Lord might not take into account will not take into account for a short period of time, or won't take into account until you sin again, it says he will not take into account. So you're looking at a guy who has all my sins paid for, I trusted in Christ, I received his righteousness, today when I am unrighteous as I live my life, I still have his righteousness to go to heaven with, I now confess my sin as I do it, I name it as he does it, I receive the day by day um, forgiveness of that sin, but my eternal forgiveness has been done, my intimacy with Christ is restored here until I get to heaven then, moment by moment. This is the beauty of all of this. And I wish I had time to tell you so much more why sinful man cannot save himself. I have a whole bunch of material on that that's just rich. So I'm going to end with um, my last two points and we'll go home. Conclusion. When it comes to salvation, faith and works are mutually exclusive. Do not put them together. Mutually exclusive. They're like oil and water. You can't put them together. Next, the true sons of Abraham are those who share Abraham's faith. I remember when I was a kid, uh, I would hear the song, you know, Father Abraham, da-da-da-da. I can't remember all the words, except I remember that, and it says that we're all sons of Father Abraham. And I thought, how in the world could I be son of a guy who lived thousands of years ago? When I trust Christ as Savior, in a sense, I'm a son of Father Abraham, because just like he trusted Christ, I'm further down the the chain of time. I, too, have trusted Christ as Savior. So, in a sense, he is my father as well as far as the one that God began with this particular promise although salvation was even before then. So I guess I've got to close with this. I have a bunch of illustrations but I ran out of time so let me give you this last little cutesy illustration maybe with the word of God and the the passion that I have you got this but this illustration will hang with you especially since we live in Hawaii. Lucky we live in Hawaii they say you know. Houses today are expensive and we've been here 10 years and by God's grace we're able to buy a house and it took a lot of God and others and God using others and things for us to happen. But let's say you wanted to buy a house today. Most of the houses that you don't have to tear down and rebuild or remodel and in a place where you could live in a nice place, I'm going to just round it off and say they're about a million bucks. If you agree that a million dollar house is probably a legitimate number I could use, say uh uh-huh. Okay, million dollars, okay. So you now agree to the bank that you're going to buy this house and they agree to sell you this house for a million dollars and the agreement is all you have to do is give $10 a week for that house. So you go, make your first payment and as you go there, they say, no, we're not going to take you $10 anymore. Really? Why not? Is it no good? Oh yeah, it's very good but the problem is is that there is no problem. Bill Gates came along and he heard that you needed a house in Hawaii. See, I knew you'd remember it now. And he paid for that house for you. So I want you to know that house has been fully paid. No, really? Yep. But now you have to believe that it's paid for because you try to give us money, you're going to waste all this effort because it's not going to work. You've got to believe that Bill Gates really did that. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Yep, I believe all that. Oh, by the way, Bill Gates not only put on your account a million dollars so the house is yours, he also put another million dollars on your account. Really? Yeah, because if you have a nice new house like this, you're going to need furniture, and you're going to need some new clothes, and need some appliances, and maybe a new car. And so he's really loaded this thing up. Now, isn't that pretty cool that he did that for you and me? Now, how many people do you think he could do that for? A thousand? Two thousand? Before he'd run out of all of his millions? But I think one thing we can agree is this. Bill Gates would eventually run out of his money. Say amen if you agree with that. Now, here's the beauty of it all. The Lord never runs out of his grace. Now, he may not give you a million-dollar home and all the furniture inside of it, but who cares? Because he gave me a mansion in heaven that he paid for. That by faith alone and Christ alone, I have a home in heaven. I have a home in heaven. Watch this, watch this. I have a home in heaven with Jesus Christ. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to make sure that if you were to die today, that you would have eternal life. And Jesus says that if you believe, you have it right now. What we study today, Paul was saying, you believe apart from works, you have his righteousness. So when you die and stand before him, he doesn't see your righteousness or mine. He sees his, which is perfect righteousness. Righteousness. Delivered to you by his free grace. But the passage throughout scripture says that you have to activate by your will faith. In this case, in Christ. There is no better time to do it now. I can give you more information that might help you from scripture. I and mean, we could hear this over and over again, but the truth is not going to change. It's the truth today. It'll be next week and forever. So I promise you that the truth will never change. But what I can't promise you is how long you'll have to engage that truth. So why don't you, at this point, in a very humble and authentic way, say, Lord, I don't understand all the Bible, but I do understand that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior and that going to heaven isn't by any good works. I learned that it's apart from my works, but it is based on my faith. And so, Lord, I take my little childlike faith, the faith that sometimes, Lord, it's so small, it's like a little grain of mustard seed. And I'm going to place it in you, our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And since you're a God who cannot lie, you said you'd give me your righteousness to go to heaven, not make me do more righteous deeds to go to heaven, but you put on my eternal heavenly account your righteousness so when I die you see your righteousness and not mine so Lord I want to thank you for what you've done for me on the cross I want to thank you that I now have eternal life because of what you've done I rejoice in you now I don't know how you want to put that in a mental transaction but it's something going on where that you are recognizing that you have Christ as your Savior by faith alone I'd like to pray for you, and I'm not going to have you come forward or stand up, or I'm not going to mention your name or describe you in my prayer, but I'd like to pray for you if today was the day you trusted Christ. I can't pray for you to trust Christ right now. We've already done that. Now, if you have trusted Christ today, we're praying another prayer. We're thanking the Lord that you're a part of the Forever Family, and then we'll be praying for you to grow in grace and His knowledge and the Word and prayer and fellowship other things that will help you along your journey. But I'd like to know, is there anyone in here today that's trusted Christ as Savior? Is today the day that you received His righteousness? Just like Abraham did. Just like David did. Just like Paul did. And just like historical Christianity has. Would you slip up your hand if today is the day you've trusted Christ? Would you slip up your hand if today is the day you've done? Alright, Christians, let me just speak to you for a moment. When we sing our praise songs in the morning, and we may go to other fellowships, other places, I, I, I want to—we praise the Lord. Yes, He got us a job, and yes, we might have got over some kind of illness, or we were able to pay a bill, or, or Jesus is so sweet, and we get so emotional with our own existential Jesus. But I want you to know that when we do our praise singing now, that it goes much deeper than that. We realize. And just beginning to realize probably more who He is and what He's done for us on the cross for wicked, sinful humanity, for wicked, sinful you and me. And so when you praise Him and you sing those praise songs, go back to the depth, watch this, of the work of Christ. And then go to the person of Christ who did the work of Christ. So now when we trust Him as our Savior by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, we then worship Him for the glory of God alone. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank You for the richness of Your Word. We thank You that even our lifetime of study will never get to the bottom of it. But each day we are just bathed with more truth and more awareness hopefully more appreciation and worship of you for who you are. We thank you that you would bring us into an eternal relationship with you and for that, Father, we are celebrating and worshiping you because we have that relationship but not because we deserve it or earned it. The very fact that we can even worship you and you allow us to do that, we're so humbled by it. So now, Father, as your children, with our sins paid for, now let us Let that grace that saved us now have that grace teach us to deny ungodliness, worldly lusts. And let that grace help us to look forward to the soon return of Jesus Christ. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pondt